Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. From the heart of the Carolinas, a voice in the wilderness, a thought-provoking broadcast in a world of ignorant nonsense. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? Yes, I guess you're right. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Good morning. Welcome to the broadcast. Good to be back with you. Here we are a couple of years into the COVID era, if you want to call it that. One of the things we've discussed really a multitude of times, the vaccine mandates. And it's kind of interesting that... We heard from the president some weeks ago, pretty much saying that this COVID crisis is over. And I think most of the nation is pretty much breathing a sigh of relief. And frankly, the discussion about this subject has all but disappeared. What's really interesting, though, is we still have in place some of the policies draconian policies, I might add, that the argument was made it was really necessary to have these in place during the worst of the COVID crisis. I think we can all pretty much agree that we're far beyond that now. And yet some of these policies and some of these emergency powers have not been rescinded, have they? We continue to see Some of these things still in place. I salute every single person who's taken a stand for what's right, which is for individuals to make decisions about this particular area. So I'm very encouraged by this development of all places in New York State. Yesterday, yesterday I was sharing with you the story about the Christian Baker in California. Now, we have fired workers in New York State. Some good news to report about them. These are blue states, ladies and gentlemen. A New York State judge has reinstated 16 fired sanitation workers who did not comply with New York City's vaccination mandate. Now, here's the kicker. Also decided they should also get back pay. Wow. That's a whopper. The judge found the New York City Commissioner of Health and Mental Hygiene's order requiring vaccination of city workers violated the New York Constitution's separation of powers doctrine, was arbitrary and capricious, and violated the fired workers' equal protection and due process rights. Wow. 
In this ruling, the judge, Ralph Porzio, wrote this. There's nothing in the record to support the rationality of keeping a vaccination mandate for public employees while vacating the mandate for private sector employees or creating a carve-out for certain professions like athletes, artists, and performers. This is clearly an arbitrary and capricious action because we're dealing with identical, unvaccinated people being treated differently by the same administrative agency. (laughs) Wow. This judge pretty much blew this up. Blew it up with one ruling. Now, I would not be surprised to see an appeal of this. Now, Chad Laveglia, who is an attorney for the plaintiffs, called the ruling a remarkable victory for all the hardworking men and women who have dedicated their lives to serving the public. Also a great victory for individual rights and equality for all New Yorkers. A spokesman with the law departments released the following statement. The city strongly disagrees with this ruling, as the mandate is firmly grounded in laws critical to New Yorkers' public health. We've already filed an appeal. In the meantime, the mandate remains in place as this ruling pertains solely to the individual petitioners in this case. We continue to review the court's decision, which conflicts with numerous other rulings already upholding the mandate. And you have to know these folks. They're terrified of the possibility that some of the other situations like this might be reviewed as well. In the order, Judge Porzio also found the health commissioner's order December 13th, 2021, as well as the mayor's executive order 62 to be arbitrary and capricious. We've learned through the course of the pandemic, the vaccine against COVID-19 is not absolute. Folks, this is a judge. Breakthrough cases occur, even for those who've been vaccinated against COVID-19, is not absolute. President Joe Biden has said the pandemic's over. The state of New York ended the COVID-19 state of emergency over a month ago. This is in the judge's ruling. (laughs) I think this is powerful stuff. No further comment from the city on this, other than the fact that they are planning to appeal. (laughs) But I think this is absolutely awesome. Good for them. And I hope this is ultimately upheld and not after some long appeal process. I hope this is very soon. These folks are vindicated and they're reinstated to their jobs. What do you think about this? And especially if this goes even further. I just think this is vital for us to stand with folks, no matter where they are. Stand with folks who are standing for foundational constitutional values. It's very basic stuff, isn't it? Very, very basic. Let's talk about quality of life. We uh, won't be able to delve completely into this. before the break, but I want to set the table at least. Interesting story about unsafe states. Not cities, but states. 
I know what's going to happen with this story. I can just see the CNNs, MSNBCs, they're going to have a field day with this one. UK Daily Mail ranked Louisiana, Mississippi, and Arkansas, America's most unsafe states on scale of crimes, car crashes, natural disasters, joblessness, and more. Want better security? Move to Vermont. (laughs) Yes. And what are they going to extrapolate from this? Red states are unhealthy. They're dangerous. You want to be healthy? Move to the north. In fact, way north, way up to Vermont. I can just hear the narrative now, can't you? (laughs) We're going to talk about this. And most importantly, where do the Carolinas rank? You'll be quite intrigued because there is a big disparity between the Carolinas. That's all I'm going to give you until after the break as we continue our broadcast. Stay with us. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program over on the text line. We made reference at the top of the broadcast to what's going on with the New York case. Sanitation workers ordered reinstated by a judge over this vaccination mandate with back pay, no less. We're talking about a year of back pay. That's pretty awesome. Over on the text line, we have this. Vince, it's the dreaded midterm variant. (laughs) That's pretty clever. Didn't I hear you say you would vote for Herschel Walker? Have you had a chance to hear any of the sound bites during the debate? God help us. Herschel Walker, really? Bad? What does New York State COVID rules have to do with anyone that can hear this station? Are not the emergency orders lifted here in both Carolinas? I am not aware of those actually being lifted. We do know the federal ones still seem to remain in place. But as I've said, we, I think many of us share a concern about what's going on with our country. Because similar things have been done all across the country, especially with our military. You haven't heard about any reinstatements there, have you? This is where we need to continue to watch. Because these politicians will do whatever they can get away with. You know that. Then certain words should be banned from all news broadcasting like they do at Facebook. Words like possible, could, projected, and survey. (laughs) News should be like traffic reports. You never hear Bo say, there could be congestion on 77 northbound. It's pretty clever there, teen. On the subject of choice, and I knew someone was going to say this because this is a common argument. So why is it okay when you say people choose for themselves when it comes to COVID, but not when it comes to abortion? It's because you're not talking about one person. You're talking about two. It's a different story. Very different story. On the story we're about to talk about, safety. Safe states. In fact, this is a ranking of the most unsafe. And we'll talk about the Carolinas in a bit. 
because they suggested people should move to Vermont. That's the place to be. This texture says, I used to live in Vermont. Beautiful state full of black bears, mountain lions, and suicidal deer. <laughs> Not to mention the negative 30-degree temperatures and four-foot snowfall. No, thank you. Just that cold part. You know, I was thinking the other day, in fact, I think my profile picture still has, uh, is still one that I put up there last year from a time when I was visiting a friend up in Rochester, New York. And I was just thinking, you know, it'd be kind of fun to visit there, and I'm sure I will sometime during the winter. It'll be fun to go back, you know, play in the snow for a little while, and then come back to reality here in the Carolinas. Believe me, don't want to stay there or anywhere else up north for any extended period of time. Just putting that out there. Also, Vince, did they include frostbite as one of the safety factors? <laughs> That's pretty clever. Seems like all the political ads only prove that none of the candidates are worthy of our vote. Well, a good part of the time you're doing the lesser of the evils. I think we've pretty much adjusted to that, haven't we? I'm starting to think the reason they do so many polls in advance of the political elections is to determine how many votes they need to manufacture in order to get their desired result. Okay. Quite interesting. Just a sampling of some of the items on the text line thus far. So let's talk about unsafe states. This story in the UK Daily Mail, and I'm sure you're very curious to find out where do the Carolinas come out in this particular survey? Well, I will tell you in a moment. I can tell you at the top of the list, Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine. Been to Maine one time. Beautiful up there, especially in the summertime. It was just a beautiful place to be. I went up there with family when I was a young kid. It was uh, very pleasant, very comfortable, especially compared to I think the very warm weather that I experienced wherever I was living at the time, I don't even remember. Nonetheless, this study that we're talking about measures everything from crime rates to natural disasters and the COVID-19 jab uptake. (laughs) So you're considered in a safe place if more people have taken the vaccine. Republican states like Louisiana, Mississippi, Arkansas, and Texas fared poorly. Boy, is that a shocker. Louisiana's murder rate, 18 times higher than that of New Hampshire. Louisiana. One of the things I want to tell you about when it comes to crime, here's a little tidbit of information for you to remember. You may hear politicians, even news people, make reference to crime issues in the southern states. Let me give you a little reality check. I'm sure most of you already know this and have thought this through. One of the reasons why you have red states with crime issues is because of the large blue populations in the cities. That's where the crime is. It's not in the rural areas. It's in the cities. I was listening to some broadcast the other day when I was out riding around and they were discussing this very thing that you won't hear very often 
this broken down like it needs to be, like Mississippi. Where do you have issues with crime? It's in Jackson, the capital. Blue area. Why do you have problems in Louisiana? Because of New Orleans. It's the blue cities. That's where your crime problems are. Arkansas. Where are the issues? Little Rock. It's not out in the rural areas. Just thought I would put that out there for you. New Jersey. The state with the most cops. 557 law enforcers per 100,000 residents. Light-fingered Louisiana records nearly three times as many thefts as Massachusetts. Boy, I would have never thought they like to steal that much. Well, let me give you the numbers. I'm not going to drag you through the break this time. Where do North and South Carolina rank as far as unsafe states? Well, North Carolina is right in the middle. Number 20. One twenty-one, right in the middle. And where do we have South Carolina? Number 42. Thought I would put that out there. Interesting to give you this information so we can discuss it further. I'd love to get your thoughts as we continue our broadcast. Stay with us. All right, I need to clarify these numbers I share with you about safe and unsafe states. Because I had to do a little bit of a a shift here because the actual story is about the safest the actual study measures the safest states. All right. So, I got this thing turned around. So let me turn it right back up. Safest states, North Carolina comes in, and it is pretty much around the middle, 21. South Carolina, though, not so good, 42, which means it's among the 10 least safe, coming in at number 9. Not a pretty picture. This study from Wallet Hub, and hey, those of you in South Carolina, I invite your participation if you'd like to call in. To discuss the elements of this that put South Carolina so far down in this list. Are you ready for this? So, Wallet Hub, what they do is compare the 50 states across 53 key metrics. The data set ranges from the percentage of residents who are fully vaccinated to assaults per capita and the unemployment rate. Just example of some of the things that are covered. I mentioned some of the others. So, safety in South Carolina. One is the safest. 25 is around average, all right? So, this will help you understand these numbers and why South Carolina is so far down on the safe list, which means it's the ninth least safe state in America, according to Wallet Hub. Are you ready for these numbers? And again, especially if you live south of the border, I'd love to hear from you. 
provide your perspective on these numbers. By the way, I didn't tell you the Ingalls Markets talk line, 800-928-1110. It's 800-928-1110. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. So you can burn up the phone lines and you can weigh in on how South Carolina measures up or North Carolina, if you like. So with one being the safest, 25 being average, here's where South Carolina ranks. 37th percentage of residents who are fully vaccinated against COVID-19. Ooh. Murders and non-negligent manslaughters per capita. 46th. Now keep in mind, the safest is down at one. Average is 25. 45th, assaults per capita. 34th, loss amounts from climate disasters per capita. 39th, job security. 38th, fatal occupational injuries per 100,000 full-time workers. 50th, fatalities per 100 million vehicle miles of travel. So this is a big problem. The highways, deadly. 30th, law enforcement employees per capita. 32nd, bullying incidents rate. 28th, sex offenders per capita. 39th, share of uninsured population. Now again, these are all rankings that put South Carolina at number 42 on the safe list, which means they are number nine in terms of the unsafe list, if you invert that list. I'd like to know, those of you who live in South Carolina, what are your thoughts? Do you have any objections to what you have heard? Does this seem to measure up to your experience? Do you have some reason to doubt these figures. Very, very curious. One of the big issues that we are talking about, and you'll hear a little conversation, I think, about this later in a debate that took place yesterday evening, the issue of oil, energy. Now, I've made it clear that I think it's absolutely vile that we've got a president who is basically running around the world with a tin cup, basically begging countries to supply us with oil, rather than figuring out how we can increase our own domestic production. I think it's very interesting that not only did Saudi Arabia not participate with Joe Biden's effort to help his midterm election prospects, but they've also stabbed him in the back again. Now they've taken issue with Joe Biden without mentioning him by name for releasing oil reserves. <laughs> Saudi Arabia's energy minister blasted the release of emergency oil stocks as an attempt to manipulate markets. 
This is really good. Prince Abdulaziz bin Salman told an investor conference in the Saudi capital, people are depleting their emergency stocks, had depleted it, used it as a mechanism to manipulate markets while its profound purpose was to mitigate shortage of supply. Remember, we've talked about this plenty of times on this program. What's the thing that you need to do in a circumstance like now? Well, you increase the supply. And the place you find that is on your own soil. You don't go begging these treacherous countries. And I don't mind saying Saudi Arabia is a treacherous country. You don't go begging. You can throw Venezuela in there, too. But there's also a warning in here. It's my profound duty to make it clear to the world losing emergency stock may become painful in the months to come. Hmm. I wonder what that means. Prince Abdulaziz did not single out the United States in his comments about emergency stocks, but last week, U.S. President Joe Biden announced he was putting the final 15 million barrels on the market from a record release of U.S. strategic reserves. This completing a 180 million barrel release authorized in the spring. One of the questions <laughs> that we have to ask here again, when, when, when will people in this country get the message and figure out these politicians do not have our best interests at heart? They really do not. And we'll hear a conversation about the energy issue coming up, some comments during a debate. As we delve into Pennsylvania, they had a debate last night. And does the word ugly mean anything to you? I'll share my observations as we continue the broadcast. Stay with us. And over on the text line, we have this reply to my comments about why red states have crime issues. This texture says, let's go with your excuses for why crime is happening in blue cities in red states. Since your argument is it's in the urban areas, their fault. Why haven't the blue state legislation, legislative bodies or governors created laws or executive orders like they did during COVID to make sure the Democrat cities could not enforce COVID rules? It seems as long as it's in the urban areas, they don't care. Let it be a topic like abortion or COVID or guns, then they care. We're the right to life folks when urban folks are being killed in their states. Oh, that's different. Please explain this one. Well, it's very simple. Law enforcement is a local issue. It's really that simple. Now, let me give you a let me give you an example though of how this could be problematic. You want to hear how problematic this is? Let's say I'm the governor of, um, let's just say, South Carolina. And I see that the crime rates are out of control in Greenville, in Columbia. It's like these folks really aren't doing a very good job. So we're going to put more state police in those areas and have state police patrol those areas. Can you imagine the outrage from those cities? They would be furious. 
absolutely furious. Because it would be taken as an insult. You don't think we know what we're doing? That would be the response. So the other question becomes one of prosecution. Now, when you're dealing with state crimes, it's pretty much universal. At least it's supposed to be. But at the end of the day, you have DAs that pretty much make these decisions on prosecuting cases. So they have a level of discretion. So this is why you've got this disparity in policies between states and cities, because they're very different animals, very different animals. And at the end of the day, I think those of us who believe in limited government believe that the best power is local. Having said that, in certain areas, it's not good what is being done in some of these cities. But I think we have to hold to our principles, whether it's working or not. That may sound crazy, but I'm saying to you, we've got to hold to those principles and values and not chuck those just because it's inconvenient. We're not working out in a way we'd like it to work. I'd love to get your thoughts on that, but I hope that answers that question. On South Carolina, coming in at number nine, unsafe cities, unsafe states, actually. Sharif from South Carolina, statistics sound about right, yet I still feel quite safe. I love South Carolina. Good. I live in Greenville, South Carolina. would say it's pretty close in the numbers. Many idiots live here. More moving in every month. <laughs> I'm surprised South Carolina isn't, isn't the worst in the driving department. I've lived in New York, New Hampshire, yes, Florida. Drivers in South Carolina are by far the worst drivers I've ever encountered. These roads are not safe at all. Okay. <laughs> I knew there would be some strong opinions on this. Also on the text line, Saudi Arabia is right about the U.S. release of our oil reserves will cause a problem. Oil is a global commodity, not local. We export as much as we get. For you, it's talking points, but it's not based on total facts. And I get it. Your customers don't care about facts. Just what sounds good to them. But even if we drilled more, It would mean nothing for energy prices as the prices are set globally. Also, oil profits are higher when less oil is in the market. No president can solve this, but it sounds and feels good to blame someone. Mm Mm-hmm. And last but not least, we have this text about last night. Vince, I heard that John Fetterwoman got wrecked last night. But Pennsylvania has illegally sent out 240,000 mail-in ballots. These are just the ones we know about. But there's no election fraud because Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell have said so. I say this as I'm vomiting. Jeff sounds very skeptical about the process in Pennsylvania. Why would you feel that way? I just cannot understand that. (laughs) Coming up, you're actually going to hear some audio from yesterday evening's debate. Now, 
I just want to give you a preview of what we will discuss. And I fully expected this is where we would be the morning after discussing John Fetterman's health problems. As you know, he suffered a stroke a few months ago. I'm going to have some comments about this uh, on the personal side, but also delving into this political contest and how it may have an impact. Also, you'll learn how many people have already voted, what percentage of people have already voted. This is one of the problems with early voting. You may have developments late in the race, and it's too late to change. Too late to change your vote. Can't do it. We'll address that and much more as we continue our Wednesday broadcast. Stay with us. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. From the heart of the Carolinas, challenging the smug, misinformed arrogance of the left. The trouble with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Hour number two of our broadcast. And we uh, begin with humanity before politics. I was just reflecting on this as I was listening to and watching the video of the Fetterman-Oz debate yesterday evening. I want to share a couple of things with you and observations on this. Um, One of them, I think about my own father. I was reminded of my own father years ago. Those of you who are familiar with this broadcast are aware my dad passed away three years ago, 2019. Years ago, my mom and dad came in for the weekend to visit And I think it was on the last day of that visit. I believe it was on a Monday. I was working. This is back when I was in TV. I just spent time with them, with everybody. And I was on the way to work. And I think one of my children called and said that that they believe dad had a stroke. And he was on the way to the hospital. Fortunately, you know, my dad was in the hospital here for a couple of days before going back to Kentucky. His speech was slurred for a short bit of time, and he pretty much returned to normal in a matter of days. I was so thankful. We were all so thankful to watch his recovery because, I mean, at the time, I think my dad was in his 80s. I've also shared with you on this broadcast... A friend of mine, just a few weeks ago, 37 years old, had a stroke. And still to this day, he wrestles with speech. I think the last time I visited him was perhaps a week ago. And there are times he still struggles. I'm just sharing the personal side of this because I know for my friend, it's very, very frustrating. Especially to be a young man. And he's thinking to himself, is this going to get better? Is this going to improve? So you can imagine the psychological aspects of this. In addition to the physical, 
as a human person, just dealing with life in general, stepping into something like this in politics, oh my goodness, what a mess. What a mess. Which brings us to Drudge Headlines on the Pennsylvania debate. Fetterman versus Oz, one night only. Tattooed Titan and TV medic spar in key debate. Additional phrases here. Pretend you live in Vermont and run against Bernie. That was a line from Fetterman last night. References to the debate all center around center around Mr. Fetterman's performance and his continued struggle to recover from his stroke. Awkward pauses and errors. Video of the worst moment. Painful spectacle. I'm going to share some of these clips with you because uh, it's important to understand how devastating this is. For those of you who are not aware, to be able to hear how bad it is. We're going to start by playing a couple of pieces of audio. This is from the very beginning. This is Mr. Fetterman, who is starting off. Both gentlemen were asked the question, what makes you qualified to be Pennsylvania's next senator? Here is John Fetterman's answer. Hi. Good night, everybody. I'm running to serve Pennsylvania. He's running to use Pennsylvania. Here's a man that spent more than $20 million of his own money to try to buy that seat. I'm also having to talk about something called the Oz rule, that if he's on TV, he's lying. He did that during his career on his TV show. He's done that during his campaign about lying about our record here. And he's also lying probably during this debate. And let's also talk about the elephant in the room. I had a stroke. He's never let me forget that. And I might miss some words during this debate, mush two words together, but it knocked me down, but I'm going to keep coming back up. And this campaign is all about, to me, is about fighting for everyone in Pennsylvania that ever got knocked down that needs to get back up and fighting for all forgotten communities all across Pennsylvania that also got knocked down that needs to keep get back up. Okay. Mr. Fetterman there. That's his message about his qualifications. I want you to just listen in terms of side by side. Now, uh, having said that, did you hear something really compelling there that just compels you want to run out and vote for this guy? Just asking. Here is Dr. Oz when he had the opportunity to answer the same question about qualifications. Listen up. I'm running for the U.S. Senate because Washington keeps getting it wrong with extreme positions. I want to bring civility, balance, all the things that you want to see because you've been telling it to me on the campaign trail. And by doing that, we can bring us together in a way that has not been done of late. Democrats, Republicans talking to each other. John Fetterman takes everything to an extreme, and those extreme positions hurt us all. Let's take crime as an example because it's been such a big problem. Maureen Faulkner accompanied me today to the studio. You know that her husband was a police officer in Philadelphia, he was brutally murdered. 
John Fetterman, during this crime wave, has been trying to get as many murderers convicted and sentenced to life in prison out of jail as possible, including people who are similar to the man who murdered her husband. He does it without the, with the rest of the parole board agreeing. He's doing it without the families on board. These radical positions extend beyond crime to wanting to legalize all drugs, to open the border, uh, to, to raising our taxes. I want Washington to be civil again. Well, you need it to be less radical. John Fetterman, unfortunately, okay. would bring that. So... Who provides the most compelling case to you? I don't care what you are, Democrat, Republican. In terms of the opening statements, which one sounds the most compelling to you to cause you to want to go out and vote for him? It's interesting. Axios has appeased Fetterman's painful debate. They start right off talking about his opening words. Good night, everyone. Multiple sources wonder why Fetterman even agreed to debate when he clearly wasn't ready. Fetterman struggled at times to respond to the moderator's questions, even with the assistance of a closed captioning device. One Democratic lawmaker and Fetterman backer told Axios, Why the hell did Fetterman agree to this? This will obviously raise more questions than answers about John's health. We will share the rest of this, but more importantly, give you the opportunity to listen for yourself. Breitbart has put together a compilation of some of the most painful moments. And I, I'll tell you what, it's, uh, it's the most painful three minutes that I can remember in terms of audio. We're going to share that and much more and get your thoughts as we continue our Wednesday broadcast. Stay with us. Over on the text line, we begin here. Eddie says, Vince, do you believe the Dems already know he will win? So they don't care that he looks incompetent. <laughs> okay. Vince, health notwithstanding, Fetterman's a trust fund baby. Never had a job before becoming a mayor. He's not qualified to be dog catcher. This one's kind of rough from the upstate. There's nothing about Fetterman at any point in his life that's worth anything. It's pretty sad. On the debate, Oz by a mile. Vince, I think Dr. Oz answered the question, which one is one we need somebody strong to make changes? Fetterman needs to take a little break. That is from Gigi. Fetterman's speech pattern is eerily similar to Biden's. They sound nearly the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not an Oz watcher or a fan, but Oz sounded like the better candidate. Fetterman was more interested in attacking Oz than saying why he was the better candidate. Vince, I just got done voting early. I consider myself an independent voter, voted Republican. Time to get this country back on track. And look out for this country, this country. Enjoy the show, brother. That is Gene out of Rock Hill. Vince, I watched Fetterman's communications director say he knocked the debate out of the effing park. 
I call it a sacrifice bunt that accomplished nothing. <laughs> Jim out of Easley. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let's quickly get to this. But I was sharing with you a piece from Axios, Fetterman's Painful Debate. I may get to more of this, but I really want you to hear the audio for yourself. Kimberly Classic. This is awful. Shame on Fetterman's entire team and family for pushing him through this race. Let this man go home and get some rest. If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Joe Scarborough. Scarborough. This is painful to watch regardless of one's politics. Yes, it is. So without further ado, let's listen to this is a Breitbart compilation of all of John Fetterman's stumbles. Listen to this for yourself. Hi, good night, everybody. And this campaign is all about, to me, is about they didn't pay the bills and it got her paid. Here's what I think we have to fight about inflation here right now. That's what we need to fight about inflation. We also be able to make more in Pennsylvania. When he had a choice to make his merchandise, the Oz label is on, he made it all in China. And how can a man, you know, with, with you know, 10 gigantic mansions, you know, has unwilling uh, to talk about a willing wage. Now, we, we all have to make sure that everyone that works is able to, that's, that's the most American bargain. And I believe they haven't have any businesses being, being uh, he doesn't want to talk about having somebody having a living wage and having somebody able to survive. Roe v. Wade, for me, is, should be the law. What I support, I support on Roe v. Wade. And I've always believed that the choice balloons women and their doctors i believe that it i believe the real doctors that i believe in they all believe that i'm ready to be served he keeps talking about bernie bernie sanders living closer to anybody else in pennsylvania for fracking to myself uh, I, I i do support fracking and i don't i don't i support fracking and I stand and I do support fracking. He has never met an air, uh, an oil company that he doesn't swipe right about. I ran to be mayor back in 20, 2005. I'm the only person on this stage right now that has con it was successful. His, his family's company was, it was set, levied the largest fine for ingration hiring of, of, of immigrate uh, illegals. He should sit this one out about in terms of what a, a, sore, uh, a secure border. I, b I believe, I, I believe, you know, is, is right now is, is China. Everybody in Braddock, uh, an overwhelmingly majority uh, community of, of black uh, community all understood what happened. You know, they, uh, they understood what happened. We need to make sure that Dr. Oz and the Republicans believe in cutting Medicare and in, uh, Social Security. Dr. Oz would not support, and he would support cutting Medicare. To me, careers are revealed uh, by your, your real underlying values. It's about supporting and helping, you know, young earners, excuse me, young, young, uh, young you know students to, to give them a break i believe that that supporting uh all right let me just ask specifically isn't, isn't that painful you know and i'm not being melodramatic when i say this but i'm serious just as a human have a human being pray for this guy 
pray for him for his recovery. Not for the sake of an election. But this has to be so just awful. Just imagine all the challenges that you face recovering from a stroke. And then have all these political expectations on top of that. This is terrible. I, it, it really was terrible. This texture says, I heard part of this debate. It's not good for this guy. There's no way Breitbart didn't skew this a little. Uh, skew this in terms of all they did is they put a bunch of these together. That's what they did. And liberals and conservatives alike have all agreed that this was awful. Absolutely awful. This texture says, <laughs> this sounds like one of Biden's speeches. Another person adding, there's no difference between Biden and Fetterman when it comes to cognitive issues. It is terrible. But also when you skew it, skew it like that, it's one long run-on sentence. It sounds really bad. Yeah, it does. This is a prime example. Politics is all about money. How can somebody put a family member through such BS? You know, and remember we had this discussion about Joe Biden. How many of us believe this was just pure, pure elder abuse. You heard part of this earlier. But I want you to hear one of the questions raised with our concern about energy on the subject of fracking. And this, again, you know, I want this to accomplish two things. One, I want you to hear the flip-flop that Mr. Fetterman has made here on this issue. But also, again, it shows the cognitive speech issues again in very clear form. Listen up. I do want to clarify something. You're saying tonight that you support fracking, that you've always supported fracking, but there is that 2018 interview that you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So how do you square the two? Oh, uh, I, I, I do support fracking and I don't, I don't, I support fracking and I stand and I do support fracking. Oh my gosh. That's just absolutely painful, isn't it? Just putting that out there. Let the chips fall where they may, folks. Pennsylvania. One other element about this that needs to be understood in the context of the election will address that as we continue. Stay with us. Over on the text line, in reference to the Fetterman debate, this texter 
says this. He still still sounds better than Herschel Walker by far. Really? Really think it's that bad? Hmm. Is there not some statute that says a politician must be in good health? His family should be taken to the woodshed. All right. My father had three strokes in a period of three years. His are not over. My goodness. Vince family members allow Fetterman and Biden to go through this because they're leftist psychopaths without scruples. All right. Oh, gosh. Vince, there's a meme going around showing Fetterman and his wife on one side and Lurch and Morticia on the other. The resemblance is striking. You guys are so terrible. You should be ashamed of yourself. Vince, I turned the debate on last night. Couldn't believe what I was watching and hearing. I looked up. Fetterman, I did not know about his stroke. The debate was a train wreck. I just couldn't turn away from. The post-debate show had Chris Como hosting, who even said Oz could have attacked him more if he wanted to, but he held back. Good on Oz for that. That was gracious on his part, I think. Vince, I love your show. I like how you make it so real. <laughs> I have to ask if that Mehmet Oz and Bozo debate you just played, did that really happen? Uh, yes, that really did happen. Vince, ultimately I'm glad I don't have to vote in the Pennsylvania election, but what sucks is I had to vote in the one here. Oh boy. I watched last night, and it was that bad. Can't even imagine what he was going through. He probably hears something like another language when people talk to him. He's brave, but not fit to serve. Vince, that was the most painful soundbite I have ever heard. Even some of those Joe Biden soundbites that sound that bad. Consequently, how many Pennsylvanias have already voted? And we have the answer to that question. Because it is certainly consequential, isn't it? You ready for this? Nearly half of all vote-by-mail ballots in Pennsylvania have already been cast before the debate. That's half of the vote-by-mail ballots. They're already in. Given that 82% of viewers said that Republican nominee Dr. Mehmet Oz won the debate, it's likely some of those Democratic voters would probably make a different choice today, don't you think? So, almost half of the mail ballots requested in Pennsylvania have already been cast and returned as of Tuesday, two weeks before what used to be called, (laughs) quaintly, Election Day, novel idea. Officials received 635,428 mail votes out of the 1,310,189 that voters originally requested. Half were already in, 48%. Given the delay between a voter's mailbox and the local elections office, the true figure is probably higher. So, 
you have to think this is one of the things they were probably considering in setting the date for this. That's probably a major factor behind the choice of dates to limit the impact of seeing John Fetterman in this condition. Pretty interesting, isn't it? So there you go. We can switch to something much lighter. I'd love to get your thoughts. As you know, I'm a big aviation nerd. There's a new study out revealing the most annoying plane passengers. Put out by the Vacationer. 2022 Airplane Etiquette Violation Survey. The in-flight behaviors American air travelers find to be the most annoying or rude. According to this anonymous survey, rear seat kickers and disruptive drunks, the worst passengers to encounter in the friendly skies, both tying for the most annoying behavior at 59.11% each. Yeah, that kick in the... Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That's not enough, though, folks. How about some other issues? Smelly passengers came in third. Ever experienced that one? Smelly passengers. Followed by inattentive or lazy parents and passengers who eat pungent foods in the cabin. There's no getting away from that smell. Forever long your flight is, you're stuck with it. Other types of annoying passengers. Armrest hogs. Seat recliners. And talkative travelers, and I would add to the talkative travelers, loud talkative travelers. I mean, I've been on flights where people just talked loudly the entire time. And I'm just sitting there, do these people ever shut up? Just curious. <laughs> Some less annoying habits include removing shoes. Oh, I, that is disgusting. Barefoot. No, don't do it. Flirting, getting out of the seat too often, and being overly affectionate with a partner. <laughs> a little too much PDA. That's something that is annoying to people. Any of these things resonate with you? I'd love to get your thoughts. If you have something that you like to share along those lines, feel free to. And we can discuss it on tomorrow's program, perhaps. <laughs> Stay with us. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program.